if you don't remember me, it's okay. I think the last time I stood up on this stage and spoke to you guys, Samer was on his honeymoon. Is that right, Samer? How long ago was that? Six months, Samer. How's it going? Really? Making what? Okay. Congratulations. Everybody give Samer a round of applause. He's still making stuff. Six months in. I'm telling you, just wait till you get married. And six months in, you're still going to be doing stuff. Um, so, uh, man, I'm so glad. I'm, like, really happy to be here. And I really do. Samer said this earlier, but we love you guys. And I don't know if you know this, but uh, at Woodstock City Church, we believe so much in you. Like, you show up here every week. You don't pay to come in here, but we... The people at our church who attend there every week believe so much in the generation that's coming behind us that they're like, we're going to pay whatever it costs. We're going to put screens in here. We're going to buy a sound system because we really care about students who are coming to KSU. And we really want them to figure out the trajectory of their life way better than we figured it out on our own. So we love you guys. We care about you guys. And so uh, I'm just honored to be here. Tonight we're talking about something that is really dear and near to me. It's something that I feel like I've struggled with my entire life. I mean, literally, my entire life, including today. We're talking about, we're in this series called Knowing You. And about two months ago, I sat down with Samer and a couple of other people on our college staff, and we started dreaming about this series. Because I really do think identity is one of the greatest tragedies of our generation. You watch it happen. You watch it play out all the time. People are so confused about who they are and why they exist. And you watch, you just watch life happen around you, and it's super evident that people aren't very secure in who they are. Maybe you, you're sitting here tonight, and you're like, yeah, I know. I'm not very secure in who I am. I mean, if we had four minutes of fellowship a few minutes ago, and I didn't talk to anyone because guess what? I'm so insecure with who I am. My breaths maybe stink. I don't know anybody. I don't know who I am. So why in the world would I go introduce myself to someone else if I don't know who I am? It's just weird, right? And so we watch it play out all the time, and I think there's so much confusion around identity. And the truth is, when you're confused about your identity, you're going to act out of your insecurities. Let me say it again. When you're confused about your identity, you're going to naturally just act out of your insecurities. And if you're anything like me growing up and still to this day, literally today, I want to know that I matter. Like, I want to know that I'm going to do something substantial with my life. I want to feel worthy. I want to feel attractive to my wife. I want to feel all these things, you know? Like, I want to know that I'm okay. And you're probably sitting here tonight like, yeah, I want to know that. But the thing is, if we're confused about our identity, we're going to start running after any and everything to fill up that identity. And the world does an amazing job at telling you what you should feel and what you should think is appropriate for you and, uh, and, and, should, and how you should live. In fact, Samer talked about it last week. I don't know if you can see this little glass eye right here, um, but it's empty right now. And last week, I think you filled stuff in. Is that right with it, Samer? Um, but I think we have this option. The world says, hey, you need to look a certain way. And so we're like, okay, I'm going to try to look a certain way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put that in there. And then the world's like, you got ah, you to talk a certain way. And then you're like, oh, God, I'm going to have to talk a certain way. And then the world's like, you got to be a certain thing, right? I mean, you can't. I mean, who can? You can't be a teacher. you got to be a doctor. you got to actually make money. You know, so, okay, I'm going go to I'm gonna go to doctor school, whatever that is. What's doctor school, you know? I can't get into doctor school. I'm just going to be a nurse, right? So I'm going to be a nurse, but really, nurses aren't cool, right? Especially if you're a guy. And I know you're going to be a nurse. I'm just saying this is what people are telling you, right? 
and it's not cool, and you start filling this bucket up, and you're like, oh, God, it doesn't all fit, and it's weird, and there's gaps in there, and people have told me what I should do, and people have told me who I am, and it's like, wait a second, I can't, there's still so many gaps, I don't, I don't know who I am. And the thing is, here, over here on the other side, if you are in Christ and you have been, that means you've been set free, God has come into your life, and he said, you uh, don't have to pay for your sins. I've done that through my son Jesus. Like, you're okay. I've brought you into my family. It's like, you are whole. There's nothing you can put in there that's going to give you any more significance than Christ has already given you. And I think the battle for you, the battle for, the battle for me daily is listening to my critics and listening to the people around me and trying to figure out who it is I'm going to become because of what maybe they project on me or maybe what I project on myself. When we're confused about our identity, we're going to act out of our insecurities. I told you this is a big problem for me. I mean, in fact, when I was seven years old, I remember this started. And it started in a big way when I was seven years old. I had the flag football championship when I was seven years old. And, um, and so uh, I was really good at sports. I mean, I know you can't tell now because I've got my muscles covered up and stuff. But, uh, but literally, I felt like I was pretty good at sports growing up. And so that's what I did. That's where I got my identity. My dad told me I was really good at sports. I was like, I'm going to be really good at sports. So at seven years old, flag football tournament, we were in the championship. I was on the 49ers, 49ers. It was awesome. And so my dad was my coach. In fact, right before this, my parents had just gotten divorced. This plays a big role in my, in my story. Seven years old, parents just got divorced. I'm playing on the 49ers. My dad's on the sideline. There's two seconds left in the game, all right? We're down by six points. The 49ers are losing to the Dallas Cowboys. It's crazy. I know. And so I'm playing quarterback, obviously. Um, I'm just kidding. Uh, but I'm playing quarterback. And so I say what any quarterback does. What do quarterbacks say? They say down, set. Yeah, or hike or hut or whatever happens. Yeah, that was a weird voice. What was that? That was amazing. It was like a mix between just got done with puberty and, <laughs> and he's a bass singer all at the same time. So I'm proud of you right there. That was amazing. Kind of like a burp, but hut. All right, here we go. I can't do it that low. But I'm, I'm like, come on, down, set, hut. I get the ball, two seconds left. The, buzzer go, the time goes to zero. On zero, the buzzer goes beep. It's the end of the game, right? But if you know anything about football, zero after you've snapped the ball doesn't mean anything. The game's not over until what? The play's over, right? But all these idiot seven-year-olds in front of me, all of them stop. <laughs> they, I swear, I swear, it was the weirdest thing. It's like, I've got the ball, I'm running, and all the dumb seven-year-olds are just standing there. I'm like, you're idiots, I'm going to score, and I'm going to win. And I literally, with everything in me, I run 20 yards down the field, nobody's around me. <laughs> I score a touchdown. They're like, touchdown, it's amazing. And I turn around, I spike the ball. It pops up, hits me in the chest. I feel like it's still sore to this day. And then I turn around, literally, and I'm looking at my dad run down the field. And he is sprinting. I've never seen my dad run in my life, swear to God. He's 280 pounds, big man. All right, big man. He is sprinting down the field with all his might. And I look at him, I'm like, he's not going to stop. He's not going to stop. And my dad literally tackles me, a seven-year-old. And I've never felt so loved in my life. Never. Never. It was the greatest feeling. And from that moment, I thought, I want to feel that all the time. No one ever told me I was good at math. So guess what? I was never good at math. You know, no one said, man, you are just an amazing student. So I was never an amazing student. But from the time I was seven years old, people said, 
golly, you're a good athlete. So I started believing it. I started believing it, and I started living in that. I would, every day of my life, try to perfect everything in me to be the best athlete on the planet. Like, it drove me because I wanted that feeling that my dad gave me that day. In fact, when I was a senior in high school, um, I had offers to go play college baseball and football. And my dad was like, oh, my, it was like his dream come true. And, uh, and I was feeling super uneasy about it. I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. It's like I had this weird uneasy. Maybe you felt that before you went to college. Maybe you played sports before you went to college. And you're like, ah, maybe it's time to give that thing up. And so I was like, I feel like it's time to give it up. But I knew I couldn't disappoint my dad because I knew I wanted to feel that thing that I'd always tried to feel my whole life, you know. And so I signed this letter to go to the University of West Alabama. God knows where that is, right? So I go, and I get there, and I, I literally, I'm the freshman on campus. I'm the smallest person. I end up two weeks into summer practice, I win the starting quarterback job. And I called my dad, and I told him he was so excited. He was so proud. Two weeks later, I had cried myself to sleep for two weeks because I was miserable. Like, I don't know if when you got here as a freshman, but I had never been so homesick <laughs> in my life. Like, I literally laid in my bed after football practice every day at college and cried myself to sleep. And I called my mom. I told her, Mom, I got to come home. She's like, well, don't come home. Your dad's going to kill you. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't come home. Your dad's going to be disappointed. Don't come home. But you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. And finally, one night, I called her. I just broke down. I was like, Mom, I've got to come home. I feel like this isn't what God has for me. And she was like, are you kidding me? Like, but at, but at the end of the day, my mom was like, it's okay. Like, you're going to be okay. There's more stuff to life than football. So I did what I had to do. I picked up the phone. I called my dad. I was six hours away. It's like, Dad, I mean, this is the worst call of my life. I'm like, Dad, how you doing? He's like, good, man. How's practice going? I was like, it's awesome. It's great today. They shaved my head. I mean, that was the worst part. They shaved all the freshmen's heads. Scott, you know that's my biggest nightmare. <laughs> Somebody shaves my head, you know? It's like I still dream about this every day, you know? It's the worst. It's the worst. And so they had shaved my head. It was awful. I was crying myself to sleep. I called my dad. I was like, Dad, i got to come home, man. He's like, what do you mean you got to come home? Like, he had put so much time and energy in. Um, like, this is where my identity was. In fact, my identity was where his identity was, right? And so my dad was like, all right. I'll, I mean, we figured it out. He came and got me. He didn't, he didn't call me on the way there. He pulled up to my dorm room at the University of West Alabama. He walked up to my dorm room, threw all the stuff into the truck, and then we both got into the truck. And we drove home for six hours. He didn't say a word to me. Drove me to my mom's house. I got out of the car. He got my stuff into my mom's garage. He didn't say bye. And I walked into my mom's house, and she was like, you're okay? I was like, oh, God. And then all of a sudden, my mom looked at me. She's like, you're okay. I was like, what are you talking about? I'm okay, son. Don't you worry. Like, God's got amazing things for you. She was like, you just need to remember what those things are. I was like, I need to remember what those things are. I'd never done anything else in my life wasn't smart I wasn't you know nobody had ever told me I was decent at anything so here's what I did I believed what my mom said and I laid everything my dad had ever wanted out of me um, right to the side and I started believing and I started remembering who I was for a moment and so tonight I want you to check this out to figure out maybe who you are and just remember real quick she's wrong I can't go back what would it prove anyway? Won't change anything. You can't change the past. You said you'd always be there for me! But you're not. 
It's because of me. It's my fault. It's my fault. Come on, will you cut it out? Can't cut it out. It'll grow right back. <laughs> Creepy little monkey. Will you stop following me? Who are you? The question is, who are you? I thought I knew. Now I'm not so sure. Well, I know who you are. Shh, come here. It's a secret. Enough already. What is that supposed to mean, anyway? It means you're a baboon. And I'm not. <laughs> I think you're a little confused. Wrong. I'm not the one who's confused. You don't even know who you are. Oh, and I suppose you know. Sure do. You're Mufasa's boy. <gasps> Bye. Hey, wait! You know my father? Correction, I know your father. I hate to tell you this, but he died a long time ago. Nope, wrong again. <laughs> He's alive, and I'll show him to you. You follow old Rafiki, he knows the way. Come on. Hurry up! Whoa, wait, wait! Come on! Come on! Would you slow down? That's not my father. It's just my reflection. No. Look hard. You see, he lives in you. Forgotten who you are. 
so forgotten me. Look inside yourself, Selma. You are more than what you have become. You must take your place in the circle of life. How can I go back? I'm not who I used to be. Does anybody want to watch the rest of the movie now? It's the circle of life. Chris Colley, where are you at? Can you sing that for us real quick? I love that song. Um, but here's the thing. We all spend our lives running and running and running and running after things to make us feel approved or to make us feel significant. But the anecdote to running is remembering. Simba had to do it. Come on. If Simba had to do it, you and I are going to at some point have to do that. So here's what I want to do for the next few minutes. We're going to take a look at a passage of scripture from an amazing, amazing writer. His name's Paul. And Paul, if anyone can tell us about this, uh, it's him. Because he, out of anyone who ever walked the face of the earth, had identity issues. In fact, at one point, he was even a different person. He had a different name. He spent most of his life killing Christians and trying to eradicate the Jesus movement, okay? And so at one point, he comes in contact with Jesus. He's radically changed, and he finally remembers who he is and starts living differently because of what he knows to be true about himself. And so I'm just going to walk you through Romans 12, 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, you can pull those out, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And we're just going to unpack this real quick because I think it's so important for you and I to remember who we are, to stop running after everything else in this world we have to remember who we are. He says it like this. He says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here we have Paul, who has been radically transformed from Saul to Paul. He's looking at us, and he's looking at the church in Rome, and he's saying, hey, guys, I'm just waving a, a big flag real quick. I just need you to know a few things about your life. You're going to run in many different directions. You're going to try to fill up everything. You're going to try to accomplish and achieve and do all these things. People are going to put stuff on you. People are going to do things to you. They're going to tell you that you're not good enough. But let me just, just pause real quick, and I'm going to urge you to do something, okay? Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to urge you in view of what God has done for you. That means in sending Jesus for you, in view of God's mercy, here's what I want you to do. I want you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. And that doesn't mean you have to go do something silly like, I don't know, something silly. But it means what you need to do is you need to offer everything you are to God. The way you live, the way you communicate to people, the way, you, <laughs> the way you go to class, the way you show respect, the way you honor people, the way you live with everything in your being. In view of what God's done for you, in view of him sending Jesus and being merciful, I want you to live differently. I want you to live holy. And that's not like this pretty word. It means just to be set apart. It's not living here anymore and trying to fulfill all these things. It's living here. I'm set apart. I'm not, I'm not like the world anymore. I'm not going to do exactly what they need me or want me to do anymore. No, 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 no. I've been set apart. 
to live differently now. And that's my act of worship. And worship isn't just what we did a few minutes ago. It's not just singing. It's literally taking all of who you are and pro, you know, proclaiming that I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live for God. It's using who you are to live for God. And Paul continues. He says this. He says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's just start at the top real quick. He's like, come on, guys. Let me just, let me, let me let you in on something. This is going to make you, your life so much better. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world. Like, just stop. Like, don't do it anymore. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. And maybe some of you guys are in patterns. Maybe somebody has told you that you're not pretty enough. Maybe somebody has told you that you're not good enough, you're not smart enough, that you have to look and be a certain thing. And maybe you just need to get out of the pattern. You continue to do thing after thing after thing, and that's your pattern. Because you're trying, you're empty, you're trying to fill that thing up. Paul's like, no, just stop it. Don't conform any longer to what people tell you you have to be or, or what they tell you that you are. Here's what I want you to do. This is, this is the trick right here. He says, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know what your mind is? You should. You're in college. Your mind, I feel like, is the most powerful tool in the world. It's your hard drive. It's the thing that helps you make decisions. It's the thing that drives your will. It's the thing that gives you emotions. It's the thing that literally is your central um, everything in your life. It is the thing. And here's what Paul's saying. You got to renew that. You know, it's maybe what you're believing is getting a little out of date, and you're going to have to like you're going to have to restart. You're going to have to hold the home button and the power button at one time. You know what I'm saying? It's like you're just going to have to get rid of the stuff. Maybe you're going to have to like replace some of the beliefs that you've believed about yourself, and you're just going to have to like push them out of the way and start believing some other things. You've got to figure out how to renew your mind, and this is the best part to me, the very best part to me. He says when you do that. You're going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I remember being in college. It was the greatest six-something years of my life. It was crazy. Um, and some of you, you left for school. Any freshmen in the room? Freshmen? Awesome. A lot of you freshmen. Um, you left for school, you know, last summer, and you showed up at KSU, and you thought, oh, my gosh, I've got four years of freedom, four years of fun. And now people who are seniors, you're like, what the heck am I going to do with my life? You know, like, what's God's will? What am I going to be? Who am I going to become? Here's what Paul says, and I think this is amazing. This is like the best news in the world for us. He's like, if you'll stop conforming to the world and doing everything the world is doing, and you'll start renewing your mind, like putting different stuff in your mind so that you'll live for God, here's what he says. He says, then, and only then, are you and I going to be able to test and approve what God has for us? Like, that's an amazing, amazing promise. I need that promise. So how do we do that tonight? How do you renew your mind? You ever thought about renewing your mind? Because I, I haven't really ever thought about how, how do I actually do that? How do I renew your mind? I want to give you three things tonight. And this is going to go by very quickly. If you're taking notes, I want you to take notes. 
if you have the most brilliant mind in the world, I want you to remember these things in your mind. Maybe these are the first three things you put in your mind after you renew it tonight, okay? And these are going to seem super easy, and we're going to go through these fast. The first one is this. Bible. Prayer. Community. I want you to say it with me. Bible. Prayer. Community. I know we're at a church thing. We're going to say Bible. Prayer. Jesus. God. You know, what's the other one? Uh, Cross. I don't know. Uh, Bible. Prayer. Community. So Bible. Let's talk about it real quick. Bible is God's word. It's his gift to us. And so here's what you need to figure out. We all want to know we're significant. We all want to know we're loved. We all want to know we're, we're okay. We all want to know what God's will is for our lives. We, we need to renew our mind. And the first step to renewing is start believing what's in the Bible about you. There's a lot of amazing stuff in the Bible, and you just need to crack it open, and you need to start believing the stuff that's in there. I'm loved. I'm accepted for who I am. I'm not nearly okay. You know, the FBI has this amazing agency as a part of the FBI that deals with counterfeit money. So if any of you need something to do when you graduate, you can, maybe you can work for this organization and find counterfeit bills. Um, but they have this organization, this arm of the FBI, that literally all they do is they seek out and find counterfeit money everywhere. Okay? And so it would be dumb of them to every day a new counterfeit dollar comes out, right? Every day somebody's trying to fix the system and get new counterfeit money. And so for them, I mean, there's no way they can keep up with all the counterfeit money. So you know what they do? This is simple. They study the real dollar so well. Like, they're in it. They know the dollar. They know where the lines are. They know every letter. They know every code in it. They know it so well that when a counterfeit dollar comes in and they put it beside it, they're like, oh, that's not, that's not real. And then another one comes in and they're like, I can't be real. It's, not, it's nothing like this. It's not real. And so for you and I, we got to figure out how to do this in our life. That when somebody comes to you and they're like, ah, you're not, you're not, you're not good enough. And you're like, whoop, lie, hang on, hang on. I know the truth. And you don't have to say this out loud because if you say this out loud, you might be weird. But no, you're not, you're not worthy. No, 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 no. Yeah, I'm, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. That's what, that's what God's word says. No, 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 no. Fearfully and wonderfully made. Ah, uh, you're never, I mean, you're not, you're not very smart. You're not going to ever do anything where you're like, whoa, 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 hey, lie. I know that's a lie. You know what's a lie? Because I know that God has plans for me, says the Lord. Plans to prosper me. I mean, like, I know it. I know the truth. And so here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to need to dig into, the, into God's word so deeply, and you're going to need to know so genuinely what he says that is true about you, that when lies come your way, you're going to be like, oh. Thank you for trying to intercept that again, but that's not true. And I don't accept that here because that's not who I am. I know who I am. I know who God says I am, and that's good enough for me today. What you have to say is really cool, and you look cool for being in a cool group, but I don't need that cool group because I know who I am. God said I am enough. I am loved. I am okay. I am worthy. Prayer. Prayer seems so crazy, right? It's like I have to sit down for 30 minutes. I have to be quiet. It's weird. I don't know what to say. Is he really listening? I can't really see him. And maybe that's how you feel about prayer. Here's what prayer could do for you. Prayer can align your heart with the heart of a good father. And so I want you to try this this week. I want you to sit down. And if you don't know what to pray, maybe just start by saying, I don't know what to 
would love to know what you feel about me. I would love to know that I'm okay. I would love to know that I'm worthy. And here's what I think he's going to say to you. It may not be audibly, but I think he's just going to whisper, I'm okay. I'm with you. I've never left you. I've never forsaken you. I'm with you. In fact, when Jesus left the earth, he, left, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He lives in us. I'm with you. And so maybe some of you just need to sit down and remind yourself that God's with me. And get in tune with your heavenly father and community like you were never meant to do this life alone did you know that you were never meant to do this life alone and i know that's what we're supposed to say as christians right but jesus modeled this perfectly he modeled prayer perfectly he would get alone and he would listen to his father and in community he chose guys to walk around with and do life with you were never meant to do this alone anybody like shark week real quick i know this is random Shark Week. Oh, you like Shark Week? I used to like Shark Week, but it feels like a week's too long now, and I really only need one night of it because I was really scared of Jaws growing up. Anybody else watch Jaws growing up? I know it's from the, is it from the 80s? Jaws? 70s. 70s. Good heavens, I'm old. Okay, I wasn't born in the 70s, by the way, if that's what you're thinking. I was born in the 80s, okay? But Jaws, I hated Jaws. And so, but there's this one episode of Shark Week where they take a boat and they put a seal, they tie a seal on the back of the boat. Have you seen this? And they start driving, and literally one poor little, poor little seal, by the way, he's just dragging along behind the boat, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, shark NATO just kills him. Like, literally jumps on him, there's blood everywhere, baby seal is gone, okay? And they were like, it's not that sad, right? <laughs> it's shark week. Give me a freaking break. They're going to eat something and kill something, okay? Uh, but then they're like, okay, I wonder what would happen if we tried something else. So they did the same thing. They took a boat, they put a seal on the back of it, right? And then they surrounded it with seven or eight fake seals, like just dummy seals, okay? And they start driving. And then everybody's, you know, quite amazed. They're like, why is the shark not eating the seal anymore? And I know this sounds super silly, but why in the world would one shark attack eight other seals. It's just not going to happen. And so here's the thing tonight. If you're sitting here believing something that's not true about yourself and you're isolated, guess what? It's so easy for the daggers to come flying at you. It's hard. It is so hard to reject lies when you're by yourself. And so some of you people tonight, you just need to get in community or you need to start listening to the people who are around you because it is so hard for the enemy to project darts right into six or seven people. He's just not going to do it. Because when you start believing something, your friend's going to look and be like, not tr that's not true about you. You're not dumb. Oh, my gosh, you're beautiful. You are beautiful. Christina Aguilera. Like, you're beautiful. You're loved. Don't believe what he just said about you. He's a jerk. Get out of here. You know, like, get away, lie. That's what community does. So hard for the enemy to attack you when you're in community. So I want you to figure this out. For me to renew my mind and to stop running after everything else that everyone else is running after. I've got to renew my mind tonight. And I want, to, I want you to read this with me right here. What you believe tonight determines how you behave. Like, this is so important. You watch this play out in insecure people all the time. If you're insecure, how are you going to behave? You're going to behave as an insecure person, right? But if you're confident in who you are, you're going you're gonna to behave way differently. What you believe about yourself is going to determine how you behave. I, 
I have four daughters at home. And so girls, there's a lot of girls in the room. Like, a lot of girls. Guys, you should be doing well <laughs> in a room like this. There's like double the amount of girls, okay? Um, but here's what I want for them. And I look at you, and I want the same thing for you. Like, for their life, I don't want them to go through life having to figure out how to be pretty enough or good enough for some dumb guy. Like, they're good enough. <laughs> they are so good enough. And let me just, like, look at me in the eye real quick, please. If you don't have community, you're isolated, or maybe you have a lot of community, you just need to know, and I'm going to tell you tonight, especially ladies, like, you're good enough. Stop trying to fill it up with some guy or something that's never going to fill that thing up for you. You're good enough for him. Guys, you don't have to be masculine anymore. You don't have to try to put on the cool thing. Like, you're good enough. You're loved. <laughs> like, your identity, if in Christ, you should be at an all-time high of emotions and thankfulness and gratefulness for life instead of running to death trying to put stuff in your life and fill that thing up. And so I want that for you guys tonight. What you believe definitely determines how you behave. So um, as we close tonight, here's what, here's what I want to do. Uh, I'm going to bring, Chris is going to come back up, the band's going to come back up, and I want you to do one of a few things tonight as we close. I think, I want you to respond tonight in one of these manners. Maybe tonight when we sing this song, it's a song about you. It's a song about me. And it's a song that says a lot of things that are really true from God to us. And so maybe tonight you, you need to sit here and you need to start believing these things that are about to be on the screen. For some of you, you're going to need to stand up tonight and you're going to need to tell God, thank you. And you're going to need to, in prayer, align your heart with your Heavenly Father. Or while we're singing this, some of you are going to just need to get in community around you and you're going to need to look at each other. And you're going to need to tell each other some truth. And you're going to say, you're going to stop believing the lies and the daggers that have come your way. Because you are not a sum of your mistakes tonight. You are not a sum of what somebody has done to you tonight. You are loved by an amazing Heavenly Father who wants really good things for you. In fact, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So tonight, we're going to start renewing our minds. And so I don't know how you need to renew your mind tonight, but I've given you a few options. And I'd love for us to attempt, to attempt that together. So God, tonight, would you please, in view of your mercy, in view of your grace, in view of your love for us, would you help us renew our minds? Would you help us remember that we are not a sum of what we've done? We are, not, we are not what somebody else has done to us. But we are deeply loved tonight. We're children. And help this like sink so deep in our hearts, God, that when the lies and the daggers start coming our way, that we just, we throw up our arms and say, no, 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 no. It's not true of my God. It's not true of me. So God, we're trusting you with our lives. May our lives look different.